suing Harvard where colleges be allowed to use race as a factor for admissions in the future. Some say yes, and some say no. A recent case against one of our most prestigious institutions might answer that question for good. Audrey Anderson from Bassberry and Sims walks us through it. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. It's fantastic to be here with you. We've got a terrific show, but but first, we need to thank our sponsor for their continued and generous support, NOTA. NOTA is powered by m Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. That is very true. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnota.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's NOTA spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's say hello to our guest, Audrey Anderson. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Lawrence. Thank you so much for joining us. And now I know you all over at uh, Bassberry and Sims, you all have direct experience working with colleges in a variety of legal matters. And uh, today that's just perfect because we're going to be talking about this uh, this case against Harvard. It's recently been uh, featured in the news and it's officially known as the Students for Fair Admissions versus President and Fellows of Harvard College. And so, you know, um, Audrey, I think this is just going to be one of those types of cases that comes up a lot. There's been a lot in the news about equality versus equity, and this case seems to fall right in the crosshairs of that. And so Harvard's on the defensive here. You know, they're for their part, they're saying, you know, our admission standards, we're trying to be more diverse. We're trying to be more inclusive, trying to welcome people that historically have not been part of the college ranks over at Harvard. And these students for fair admissions, for their part, they're saying, well, we hear that. Um, you know, we hear that you're trying to be diverse and inclusive, but in the process of your selection process, you're actually discriminating against us on a racial basis. And so that's sort of the starting point of the case. But I want to kick that back to you, Audrey, in our opening question. You know, when we start with the facts of the case, can you build that out a little bit and maybe tell us a little bit more about students for fair admissions? Sure. So Students for Fair Admissions is actually a nonprofit advocacy organization that represents students who seek to challenge race-conscious enrollment programs at colleges and universities. So in addition to Harvard, they've got litigation going on right now against the University of North Carolina and the University of Texas at Austin. So it is a nonprofit advocacy group that's organized by a gentleman named Edward Blum. Now, this case, it was originally filed in 2014, as I understand it, but uh, specifically about the admissions policies. Now, I realize they've kind of migrated over time, but what's the general gist of the complaint against Harvard's admission policy specifically? Yeah, so Lawrence, I think it's interesting that you phrase this in terms of, you know, recent efforts um, in our country to improve equity for all students and especially students of color because Harvard has had an admissions program since the 1970s that has used race as one factor in determining which students should be admitted to Harvard College. And so the plaintiffs um, in SFFA, as we call Students for Fair Admissions, are challenging Harvard's admissions program. So what Harvard contends is that race is just one minor factor that they take into account along with every other factor about all of the students who apply for admissions, and that under the court's current K-12 
case law, they are entitled to do that, to take race into account as just one factor. Yeah, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit. And I, I didn't totally understand this. You know, I read through the case. You know, it's a very it's a very long case, a lot of uh, factual information, there, a lot of charts and grids and stuff, which I was happy to see. But what I didn't understand was it seems that every step of the way, there's sort of a, a backstop towards a consideration of a racial profile. Is that what SFFA is talking about? Well, what you've read, um, Lawrence, is a, is a statement of the facts by SFFA. I think that when you see That's what fair. Harvard says, it will be stated a little bit differently. Sure, sure. So from the plaintiff's perspective, Harvard does not use race as just one factor. They say that that Harvard is, as you said, every step of the way looking at the race of candidates. Now, the court has said that you are allowed to do that, but that was part of what the parties fought about at trial. How much is race a factor in Harvard's admissions program? And the district court, the trial court, found that it was used in a limited way at just one step in what Harvard calls their overall rating. So Harvard has something like nine different factors that they rate each candidate on, and one of them is the overall rating. And it is that rating that Harvard says they use race as one part of the rating. Walk us up to where we are today. So obviously, this didn't uh, start at the Supreme Court. Right now, as I understand it, uh, there's a writ of certiorari that was filed by SFFA. And I guess, as I understand it, that they're waiting for Harvard to respond. There's been an extension here. So when do you think we'll hear back from this case as to whether the Supreme Court will pick it up or not? Well, I would imagine that we will hear before the end of June as to whether or not the Supreme Court will take it up for its session next year. Okay. And, you know, we've already had a trial. So there was a trial before the trial court where Harvard won and then an appeals before the first level appeals court where Harvard won. And so now we're going um, to the Supreme Court. All right. So before this case, uh, whether it gets heard or not, let's talk about the landscape here. So the current landscape when it comes to factoring race as part of your college admissions, you know, what are you allowed to do versus what are you not allowed to do? So you are allowed to take race into account if you do it in a way that is narrowly tailored. So a college has to show that it has a compelling interest in using race and that it is using race in a very narrow way. So schools are not, colleges are not allowed to use quotas. They're not allowed to use race in a mechanical way where an applicant gets a certain number of points added automatically to some kind of a formula when they're considered. But schools are allowed to take account of race in a holistic way when looking at candidates. All right. So this next question, I may need a little additional help with, you know, so not an area of my expertise here, but in my research, uh, it looks like there's going to be some case-based decisions that'll have to be made, uh, whether or not a certain precedent applies if the Supreme Court picks up this case. But the other thing that they may have to look at is the 14th Amendment and the Civil Rights Act. So what I want to do is start with the two cases that seem to be the most applicable. So I think it's, is it Grutter or Gruder versus Bollinger? I hear people say it both ways. 
Grutter and Gruder. I say Grutter, but I've heard people say it the other way too. Well, let's do it your way. So we'll call it Grutter versus Bollinger. And then there's another case that you know disagrees with the Grutter case, California Regents. And so if the Supreme Court picks this up, how do you think they will reconcile those two cases? What factors do they need to consider? It, it's not so much reconciling those two cases, Lawrence. What, what's going on here is that the Supreme Court in the Grutter case in 2003 held that colleges and universities may consider race if they do it in a narrowly tailored way. They did that by looking in part to the Bakke decision from the University of California that had been decided um, several decades before that. What SFFA is asking the court to do is to overrule Grutter. They are saying that colleges and universities do not have a compelling interest in considering race to get the benefits of a diverse student body. They want the Grutter case to be overruled. And that's really been SFFA's goal all along in suing Harvard, in suing the University of Texas, which they did, which which they've done before, um, and which they're doing again now. So SFFA is being very strategic in suing a number of different colleges across the country in order to reach their goal of having the United States Supreme Court overrule Grutter and hold that colleges and universities may not consider race when they're determining which students may be admitted to their student bodies. Now, Harvard is a private institution, but it gets looped into the 14th Amendment, as I understand it, and the Civil Rights Act because it does deal with the federal student lending program. And I think, like most private institutions, it does get some amount of federal funding to it, at least in terms of universities and colleges. So loop that in. If if this case goes forward, how will the Supreme Court need to look through the lens of the 14th Amendment and also the Civil Rights Act? Yeah, so Title VI of the Civil Rights Act says that any institution that takes federal funds has to comply with Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. And the Supreme Court has held that under Title VI, you use the same standards that would you would use under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So as you said, Harvard and virtually every other college and university in America accepts federal funding. So they are subject to the requirements of the Equal Protection Clause through Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. All right. Well, connect the dots with me. So Grutter says that you can do it within this narrow uh, confines, but the Civil Rights Act sounds like it prohibits it. So connect the dots there. What am I missing? Well, no. So the, the Civil Rights Act says you can do it consistent with the Equal Protection Clause. And the court has held that it is consistent with the Equal Protection Clause for colleges and universities to use race as long as they do so to support a compelling interest and in a narrowly tailored way. So that's what the court held in Grutter with regard to a public institution, the University of Michigan, that they had proved that they had a compelling interest in getting the educational benefits of a diverse student body and that they were only using race in a very narrow way to promote that interest. Now, you mentioned the other cases earlier, and as I understand it, uh, Yale was added to that list. So there was, a, there was a lawsuit against Yale that was brought by the Department of Justice. And then, of course, when President Biden's administration came in, the DOJ dropped that case and this students for fair admissions, they picked it up. But you were mentioning that there's some other cases that they've been strategic in 
bringing. And so it, it, are these cases likely to be joined with this one against Harvard, or do you think they're all going to kind of be on their own track, maybe heading towards the Supreme Court? They're all going to be on their own track because they're so different in their timing. And the Yale case, SFFA tried to intervene in that case as a party before the United States voluntarily dismissed the case, and they were declined that opportunity. So SFFA has said that they are going to sue Yale, but to my knowledge, they have not yet sued Yale. I don't know if you've seen something, I haven't. The cases they have in the pipeline right now, they have finished a trial against the University of North Carolina. It was before a a judge, a bench trial, so we expect the judge in that case to issue a ruling in maybe the next six months or so. The case against the University of Texas in Austin is really in the very beginning stages of the case. They right now have a trial set for 2022. So it's a long time before the Supreme Court would be able to review that case. But the Supreme Court accepts very few of the cert petitions that are put before it. So SFFA has been very strategic here in suing several different institutions and different kinds of institutions, private and public, I think in order to increase the chances that the court will take one of these cases, if it doesn't take the Harvard case, that it will take one of these later ones in the pipeline. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And just following up on your point about the Yale case, I think what I had read is that they were considering picking it up now that the DOJ had dropped it. And I guess uh, they're just kind of waiting for the dust to settle. So that's just the clarifying point there. Yeah, yeah. Blum said he he would file within a matter of days, and that was a few weeks ago. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, last question for you, uh, prediction hat time. So on this show, I like to wear a multitude of hats and uh, one hat I like to put on is my predictions hat. So if you're wearing your predictions hat, you know, where do you think the Supreme Court comes down on this case if they hear it? Do you think we'll get a revised set of standards or do you think it'll be more or less the status quo? Well, I think most people um, expect that something could very well change because we have a number of members of the court that are new to the court since the Supreme Court last heard one of these cases. The most recent case that the court heard on these issues was the Fisher case. But since then, we have added Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, uh, and Justice Coney Barrett to the bench. And I think most people believe that if they were asked how they, as an initial matter, would rule on the question of whether colleges and universities should be able to use race or may use race consistent with the Equal Protection Clause, they would probably say they may not. But then you have to go through this analysis of, well, how does stare decisis fit into this? And do those justices believe that they should give any weight to the court's prior decision in Grutter from 2003? Or do they believe that Grutter is not the kind of precedent that really uh, deserves to be upheld. Grutter itself was a 5-4 decision. So it was very close when it was decided, and we don't have those same five members on the court anymore. Well, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did as well. Thank you so much for inviting me, Lawrence. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you have not done so already, please leave us a rating in your favorite podcasting app. It's very good for the show. And once again, thank you to our sponsor, Noda. You can find them at trustnoda.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And lastly, but never, never, never leastly, thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN audio crew for their continued hard work. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>